Well, good morning, GEBC. Uh, it is great to be with you all this morning. My name is Alex, and I am the lead pastor of Poplar Creek Church in Bartlett, Illinois. And for those of you that are new and wondering why in the world is a different church pastor coming and speaking, um, over the past year, we have been talking a lot about adoption. Earlier this year, the elders at GEBC announced that they prayerfully believe that Poplar Creek Church in Bartlett, Illinois, is to be the first multi-site campus of Glen Ellen Bible Church. Uh, it is exciting, and it has been so much fun uh, getting to know you all over the past year. And even though we are still in the process of getting to know one another, I need two of you to trust me. I need two volunteers uh, to come and join me on stage. And these two volunteers need to be okay eating mystery food. Oh, yeah. One. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah. Anybody else? Come on up. Yeah. Thank you. Let's show them a round of applause. Yeah. What's your name, man? Caleb. And what's your name? Luke? All right, Caleb and Luke, here's what we're going to do. I have two bowls here. You each are going to pick a bowl, and then you are going to eat what is inside the bowl, okay? And then as you eat, you are going to describe what it is you're eating. So describe what it looks like, describe what it feels like, describe what it tastes like. Okay. Fair warning, there is a wrong choice. <laughs> so uh, go ahead and, and pick a bowl, whoever wants to go first. Hey, <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, ah, uh-uh, I don't want to be a part of this. What are you feeling? What are you feeling? I don't know, man. Okay, so go ahead and uncover. Actually, you want to. Go ahead and show everybody what it is. I got Cheetos. Okay, what did you get? Well, I got what looks like Cheetos. <laughs> okay, so go yeah, describe them. Um, well, they're, at least it looks like Cheetos. It probably isn't. What is it tasting like for you? Just tastes like a regular Cheeto. What about you? Same. Same? For the most part, yeah. Okay. Nothing strange, nothing weird. <laughs> You're actually kind of breaking the sermon illustration right now. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, so here's what happened, guys. Uh, I bought... Well, he's got a lot of Cheetos. I have a little Cheetos. Yeah, he has more Cheetos. That's true. Well, here's what happened. <laughs> I... This whole sermon illustration is exploding right now as we speak. <laughs> All right, so here, let me explain what happened. Uh, I bought these Cheetos uh, this weekend in a grocery store. I opened up the bag this morning and poured them in. These are normal Cheetos. Oh, these are a little stale. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I was like, oh, man. So I opened up this bag like a week ago, and they've just been sitting out on my counter. So you can taste that they are a little stale. Okay, thank you. Show them a round of applause. Thank you all so much. Do you want to take them? No. That's funny. Um, so yes, like I was talking about, in one bowl you have a bag of Cheetos that I opened up this morning, and the other it's been opened for a week. Isn't it interesting? They're both the same food. They both look the same. They are shaped the same way. And yet we had two people that eventually did have uh, different experiences with their Cheetos. What happened? Well, as you can guess, one bowl is stale. You know, that's, how, do, how does food become stale. When a bag is open for a while, what happens to the food? It, it becomes stale. It, it loses its flavor. It loses its punch. It, it, it becomes more muted. It becomes more bland. It's not as impactful. And I think the same thing could happen with our Bibles. 
Like some of you, I grew up in church. My, my parents made weekly church attendance a priority. Every Sunday morning, my bottom would be in the pew. Every Sunday night, my parents would bring me to youth group. And so what that meant, growing up in church, what that meant was that my Bible was opened at least once a week. But not every verse got equally opened and read. There were some books and chapters and verses that got read more than others. I read Romans a lot more than I did Zechariah. There were some verses that I opened up to more often. And what happens when a verse stays open for a while? Well, I believe, like food, it can become stale. Maybe you can relate to this. It's one of the challenges of growing up in a church. You hear the same verses over and over and over, and it can become stale. I mean, take John 3.16, for example. Many of you have this memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I have opened up to that verse probably a thousand times in my life. And if I'm being honest, it's a little stale for me. It, it, it doesn't have the flavor that it used to have. It's missing that punch. It's more, it's more muted. It's more bland. It's not as impactful. And the reason why I'm talking about stale scriptures today is because we're about to read one. We've been in a series called The Songs of the Savior where we have been looking at the different songs in the beginning of Luke. And today, we are going to be reading a, a piece of the Christmas story, a set of verses that we open up to every single holiday season. And just like old Cheetos, because so many of us have opened up to this verse many, many times before, many of us are very familiar with this text today. I think for a lot of us, it can become stale. Let's look at what, this, what these verses are. Luke 2 starting in verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Show of hands, how many of you are familiar with that text? Yeah, most of us. And if I'm being honest, um, it is a little stale for me. Every December, my parents would direct the children's Christmas program every year, which meant that every Christmas I'd stand up on the platform and read that text. You know, every Christmas Eve, our pastor would have us turn to this story. Every Christmas morning, my, my family reads these verses. And so what does that mean? Because I've opened up to this verse so many times in my life, I have it memorized, but I'm not mesmerized by it. I, I know it up here, but I don't know it so much in here. I, I read it quickly because of familiarity, but I don't often read that text slowly as if looking for treasure. It just doesn't have a lot of flavor for me. But this week, as I read this text in preparation for the sermon, here's what blew me away. There was something about this song. There was something about this moment that was life-defining for the shepherds. It was good news of great joy for them. The message wasn't stale. I mean, look at, look at the shepherds' response in verse 15. It says, When the angels left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. There was, there was something about this song that we are reading today that caused these shepherds to go and to travel and to see. And once they experienced this good news, there was something about it that caused them to go and share the word. And so just like our Cheeto activity, we have the same food. And yet we're having two different responses to it. On one side, you have the shepherds who hear this song and they go and they travel and they explore and they share and they tell. And then on the other side, you have me who's very familiar with this text, very familiar with it. And yet I read and I'm unmotivated. I read and I'm unmoved. I read and I'm not convicted. So what gives? It's the same message, and yet it's two completely different responses and reactions. Why, why isn't the good news motivating some of you to go and investigate further like the shepherds did? Why isn't the birth of Jesus so captivating for you that you have to tell the people around you like the shepherds did? It's the same message, but it's two completely different responses and reactions. It's stale for me, and maybe it is for you too. Maybe you can relate to feeling this way about the Christmas story. So what do we do? What do we do? I remember the first time I gave my son Crunchy Cheetos. It was a magical moment. And I think it was a magical moment because for most of his life, he had only had formula. And I don't know for parents in the room, if you've ever tried uh, the bottled formula, it's disgusting. It is not good. So you can imagine, you know, in the wilderness only drinking formula and then your parents hand you Crunchy Cheetos. It was so fun to watch the waves of emotion go across my son's face. Like at first it was shock. Like what are these flavors? What is this texture? And then it moved to, to awe and wonder and finally it concluded with just total and pure joy. He like wanted more. And the reason was because he was experiencing something that was fresh. He was experiencing something that was new for the very first time. My goal today is to help you capture that same joy that my son has. My prayer today is that all of us in this room can capture the joy that the shepherds had when hearing this song. I want us to read this story like we are reading it for the first time. I want us to listen to the angel's song with fresh eyes like we have never opened up to these verses before. And the way that we're going to do this, the way that we're going to try and look at this with fresh eyes, is we're going to dive into the three words that the angel uses to describe this baby in verse 11. Savior, Christ and Lord. By unpacking these three words and by discussing the implications of each title, my hope and my prayer is that the reaction of the shepherds can be the reaction of all of us today. That after discussing who this baby is, that every single one of us will be motivated to go and share and tell with the people around us this Christmas Eve. So let's look at that very first word. Turn your eyes to Luke 2 verse 11. It says this. See if you can find the title. Today in the town of David, a, what's the word? Savior. savior. A Savior has been born to you. Jesus is a Savior. Somebody who saves. But in order for there to be a Savior, somebody who saves, there has to be someone who is in need of saving. And there has to be a bad situation that creates a need for saving. So let's use like superhero language. 
Superman. In order for Superman to be Superman, in order for Superman to save, there has to be a Lois Lane. There has to be somebody who is in need of saving. And there has to be a bad situation that Superman has to enter into, a burning building that Lois Lane is trapped in. And so today, when we're talking about Jesus as Savior, uh, what is the burning building? And who is Lois Lane? Well, consider this. This past week, I logged onto the websites of Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC. All I did was I went to the homepage of all these major news headlines. I didn't click any further. I just went to the homepage, and I only did this on one day, just one day. And in one day, on just the headline, on just the front page, here are some headlines that were there. Mississippi State head football coach Mike Leach has died at the age of 61 from heart condition complications. Idaho murders. Group spotted walking in background of body cam video taken near the crime scene at 3 a.m. Fentanyl and a stronger form of meth now driving American homeless crisis. Key bridge targeted overnight in Russian-occupied Melitopol. Starving bees are robbing hives as their keeper tries everything to save them. This is just one day of news. One day. In one day, we have death, we have sickness, we have murder, we have addiction, we have homelessness, we have warfare, we have violence, and we even have the breakdown of nature. The reason why the bees are starving is because their hives were destroyed by Hurricane Ian. This is just one day of news. And here's what's even crazier. Some of you aren't even surprised by this. Some of you are like, yeah, that, that's just another day of the news. I don't think I'm blowing anybody's mind here when I say that our world is broken. And that is so important for us to understand this title that Jesus has given of Savior. And what stood out to me from those list of news stories is that you see this brokenness manifested in a couple of different ways. Number one, you see people bringing forth brokenness. I, I, you know, take the story of Idaho. You had somebody that was so morally corrupt they decided to take the lives of four random college students. This person brought forth brokenness into the world. But you also saw in that story brokenness being experienced by someone. You had four families getting phone calls in the middle of the night that their children wouldn't be coming home for Christmas. They were experiencing the pains and the brokenness of this world. Our world is broken. So going back to this idea of superheroes, Jesus is our Savior. He is our Superman. But what is the problem? The problem is our world. It's broken. It's filled with broken people. It's filled with people that have been wounded by brokenness. The problem is our world. And who is in need of saving? Me. And you. All of us. I mean, guys, turn on the news for five minutes and you'll see this to be true. You will see our need for a Savior. But how did this happen? How did our world become so fractured and broken? Well, this is something that Paul talks about in Romans 1. He talks about the relationship between God and humanity and where things went wrong. He says this in Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Here's where things start to get off. For although they knew God... They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools 
and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. That's key. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. What these verses are saying is that our world, humanity, is sinful. We've walked away from God and the life that He offers. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. We all have done this. We all have walked away from God and the life that He offers. Every single person in this room, in different ways, has exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And when you do that, the world becomes broken. So the angels are appearing to the shepherds and they're singing this song about a Savior. A Savior who has come to fix the brokenness. And do you know who understood brokenness well? It was the shepherds. The shepherds, during Roman times, shepherds were on like the bottom rung of the social ladder. They, they shared the same uh, social status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. People looked down on shepherds. Shepherds were deprived of civil rights. They could not fulfill judicial offices or be admitted into court as witnesses. And, and get this, there's a section of the Jewish Mishnah uh, that it's a Jewish text, and it has some pretty startling things to say about the shepherds. One passage of the Mishnah describes shepherds as incompetent. Another describes the shepherds this way. It says that no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. If you see a shepherd in a pit, go ahead and walk away. They don't need to be saved. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what it would be like to live as a shepherd in a world where if you fall in a hole, you know that nobody will save you? You know who understood brokenness? The shepherds. And yet here comes this angel saying that a Savior is coming. Are you starting to understand their joy? Are you starting to understand their response? But how will this Savior save? Well, that leads to the next title that the angel gives. Let's see if you can find it. Luke 2, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior who has been born to you, he is the, what's the word? Messiah. That's the second word that the angel uses to describe this baby. Messiah. First Savior and now Messiah. What does that word Messiah mean? It's kind of a, a, a churchy word. Uh, what do the angels mean when they use the word Messiah for this baby? The Jewish community during the time of Jesus was very familiar with this word Messiah because the word Messiah means anointed one or chosen one. But chosen to do what? In the Old Testament, we see that anointing somebody uh, was, with oil was a sign that God was planning on using that person for a particular reason. They were chosen to do something. So one of the ways that we see this happening is with the kings. Both King Saul and King David were chosen, anointed by God to be king. The word Messiah means chosen one. And so this word Messiah is now being given to this baby in Luke 2. Two chapters later in Luke 4, this baby grows up. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and he says this about himself. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When we're talking about, when Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm here to set the oppressed free, when I'm here to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, those were all things that kings did. And then he uses the word anointed. He has anointed me. What is Jesus saying here? 
I am the chosen king. I am the promised king that is here to build a new kingdom. Jesus is looking at the crowd and he's saying, yes, our world is full of evil and darkness. It has been reigning here for a while, but I am here to bring forth a new kingdom. The Old Testament promised that an anointed king would be coming to bring forth this new kingdom, a kingdom of light, a kingdom of freedom, a kingdom of good news, a kingdom where chains are broken. Jesus came to establish this new kingdom, and here is what is so cool, guys. This kingdom of light that Jesus established is still being spread to this day because of kingdom citizens like you empowered by God's Spirit, going and sharing the good news about this King. When we go and share, that expands God's kingdom into the world. It's kind of like this. In October, uh, Glen Ellen Bible Church took a missions trip to the Dominican Republic, to the city of Santiago. I I got to be a part of that trip. It was a whole lot of fun. And one of the places that we visited in the city of Santiago was a place called The Hole. The Hole. You're looking at a picture of it right there. The hole is where a lot of people in the city dump their trash. There's a river that goes through it, and when we were visiting in October, it really did feel like there was more trash than water. Because of how the city is built, when a storm hits, the hole tends to get flooded. Uh, The location has become a hotspot for prostitution and drugs. The area was run by a drug lord. It's not uncommon to see kids there that are being abused. It's not uncommon to see kids that are being used as drug runners. It's not uncommon to see dads that are absent from their homes. It's not uncommon to see moms with new guys in the house every night. You want to talk about a place that is broken? You want to talk about a place in need of a Savior? This is it. The enemy and his kingdom of sin and death has had a firm grip on this area. But enter Pastor Felix. Felix looked at this area, this pastor, he looked at all the brokenness, and he saw opportunity. He said, this is an area that needs to hear about the Messiah. This is an area that needs to hear about this new king and this better kingdom. And so what did Pastor Felix do? He planted a church right there in the hole. He set up a feeding center for the children, and the drug lord that ran the area actually kidnapped him at gunpoint. (laughs) Because he thought he was an undercover police officer and Felix was saying, no, 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 I'm just here to plant a church. And the drug lord laughed and he said, people do many things in the hole. Planting churches is not one of them. (laughs) So the drug lord sent Felix on his way to continue his work. And so Felix kept preaching about this new king and this better kingdom, this new Messiah that is breaking chains, that is bringing forth hope and good news and freedom. And wouldn't you know it? This kingdom of darkness that held so tightly onto this area began to weaken. The little congregation in the hole exploded. People came in droves to swear allegiance to this new king. Drugs were put aside. Prostitution was left behind. Abandoned kids found spiritual mothers and fathers within the church and disciples were made. Lives are being resurrected in a place that is spiritually dead. And that is happening right now. The kingdom of light that the Messiah came to bring is still expanding to this day. Yeah, our world is broken. But our Savior, Messiah, is restoring it as we speak. And that leads to our final title. Let's see if you can find it. Luke 2, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, 
the, what's the last word? Yeah, there it is, Lord. That's the third and final title, Lord. It's really a, a word of reverence. It's a word of authority. It's a word of power. And so here's what I want everybody to do. Go ahead and give me your strong arms, everybody. Give me your strong arms. Say, Lord. Lord. That's what I want you to think of. Lord, some of you weren't doing it, and I'm going to make you eat stale Cheetos after the service. Lord, that's what I want you to think of is power. What this title teaches us is that Jesus has the power and authority to, to save. He has the power and authority to expand his kingdom. We just wrapped up the midterm elections. Show of hands, how many of you got sick of the commercials and text messages? Yes, me too. Drove me crazy. One of the things that I saw on both sides of the aisle was a strategy of promising change. That was something that I saw on both sides. Vote for me and I will change things for the better. You know, for decades, candidates have used this strategy of change. I can bring change. I can make it happen. I have the power to do it. But what we see when these people get elected, what we see in our two-party democracy is that promises of change made during election season are often not kept. Or they are often not fully realized to their fullest potential. Why? Because change is difficult. Especially when you have so many opposing opinions and parties. What, what all these candidates are realizing is that there is a limit to their power. That there's only so much that they can do. But not so with Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What's the word before authority? All He's saying all authority and power is mine. Jesus is saying I want to transform and restore this world. But unlike any earthly ruler, this is a promise that I can keep. I have the power to do it. I am Lord. So going back to the shepherds, the song of the angels wasn't stale for them. They had experienced the brokenness of the, this world. They knew that to be true. They were marginalized by society. But here comes these angels talking about this Savior, somebody who has come to save, a, a Messiah who's going to bring forth this new kingdom, this kingdom of light, and you can bank on it happening. Why? Because he's the Lord. And hearing that for them, it, it, it was good news of great joy. Those three words together, Savior, Messiah, Lord, when those three words were put together, what was their response? We have to go tell people. We have to go tell people. I want to I show you guys a number. And the number is 80,000. 80,000. This is the number of people within five miles of Poplar Creek Church that are not involved in faith at all. In 2018, our, our church um, partnered with an organization that pulled data, and this is what they found, that within five miles of the Poplar Creek campus, there are 80,000 people that do not know the Lord. If we talk about people that are minimally involved in their faith, that only attend church once or twice a year, that number balloons up to 142,000 people. Within five miles of the Poplar Creek campus, you know, when I've talked to people that live in Wheaton and Glen Ellen, I, I've heard it sometimes referred to as a bubble, a, a sort of a Christian bubble, but that is not the case with where Poplar Creek is. And guys, I, I want us to use the language that we have been using today. There are 80,000 people that are living in darkness. 
There are 80,000 people that are experiencing the brokenness of this world. There are 80,000 people that are being wounded by it, and yet they have no idea of this promise of a new and better king. There are 80,000 people that are missing out on the hope and the peace and the freedom that Jesus offers. The shepherds, they listen to this song. That is what you guys have done today. You have listened. You have investigated this baby. But then what did the shepherds do next? They went out. Look at Luke 2, verse 18. When they had seen him, church, you have seen this baby today. When they had seen him, what did they do? They spread the word with concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Look at what it says. They glorified God. They spread the word. Spreading the word is the proper response to the Christmas message. That's the proper response. We are in the final stretch of our Reach Capital campaign where we are trying to retire the mortgage of the Poplar Creek campus. And let me tell you, if we hit our goal, this is what it will do. If we reach our goal, retiring the mortgage of Poplar Creek, that will free up $130,000 a year. A year. Here's what that money is going towards. It's going towards building a staff that will go out and proclaim the good news that a Savior is coming. This $130,000 will go towards creating outreach events where we go out into the community and we invite the community in and we share the good news about this Messiah King. This $130,000 will go towards local and global missionaries that are being empowered by the Lord. That is what happens when we retire the mortgage. The elders at Glen Ellen Bible Church and the shepherds of Poplar Creek stand in unity. We want to see that 80,000 number destroyed. Not to pat ourselves on the back. Not to make ourselves feel good. But the fact that our world is broken and that there are people out there in need of a Savior. Friends, as you come to the end of the year, there is no better way to invest your money than fueling the expansion of God's kingdom. There is no better way. Some of you have been blessed with wealth, and I want you to realize what you have been given. You have been given the opportunity to shape the eternal destinies of people living just 20 minutes down the road from you. Please do not let the Christmas story go stale. The same good news that motivated the shepherds to go should motivate every single one of us as well. Yeah, the world is dark and broken, but praise God that we have a Savior that wasn't afraid to enter in. Praise God that we have a Messiah who has come to establish and build a new kingdom. And praise God that he is Lord. He is the power and the authority to make it happen. Let's pray. Lord, the Christmas story is so beautiful. And God, I, I pray that just this week as we enter into Christmas Eve, that you would continue revealing truth in this text that every single one of us would mirror and model the posture of the shepherds, this desire to investigate, to learn, to know this baby, and then the courage to go out and to share. Lord, there is no message that is more important that our world needs to hear than the good news that you are here. We love you so much, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.